When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Mastery Mindset Podcast, episode 104. What's up, everyone? Today, we sat down with Josh Lifrak. He's a mental performance coach with the New York Mets. Uh, he's the president of Lift Up Consulting. He was the director of mental skills for the Chicago Cubs when they won the World Series. Uh, he's a speaker right now with me uh, with Limitless Minds. He spent about a decade uh, as a mental conditioning consultant with IMG Academy in Florida. And he also has uh, experience with USC tennis program where they dominated that field. So guys, sit down, get your notes ready. Let's learn about how to win the inner game from Josh Lifrak. Josh, welcome to Master Your Mindset Podcast, man. Thank you, Kyle. Thanks for having me on. Pumped to be here, bro. Yeah, so excited. So how about this? Let's uh, give our listeners your origin story. Okay, so uh, born, I mean, like you want to talk origin, like I was born in a high performance environment, came right out of the womb uh, at West Point, New York, the United States military academy. My father was there and he had actually started the cadet counseling center. So psychology is in my background, it's in my blood. And, um, you know, that was back in the 70s. I uh, grew up around West Point uh, pretty much my whole life in the, the, you know, the Hudson Valley, about 90 miles north of New York City in a town called Hyde Park, New York, another high performance town, was the birthplace, houses the house and the museum and the library of uh, honestly, probably our greatest president of all time, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, served four terms, right? So that's what I grew up around. I grew up around West Point and, and FDR, right? So my, my mindset growing up always that, like if you can put your mind to it, you can achieve it. And so, you know, because like, like I'm sitting here growing up, around it my whole life. Like there's just possibilities that are endless. Um, you're, you're surrounded by American heroes <laughs> on a consistent basis. You know, during college, I worked at West Point. I worked in, um, during, the, during the summers, I would work for the, you know, helping them get set up to get the cadets their clothes and their books and things of that nature. So I was just always kind of around it. Again, my dad was in the military and, you know, high performance type stuff. So that was kind of like the underpinning of everything. Um, but you know, the story, uh, deviates a little bit, uh, after high school and after college. So, um, you know, from there, I could talk a little bit about that if you want, but basically, yeah. you know, I, I rode crew, uh, it was a club sport at the university of Rhode Island, but a really high level. Uh, there was two, uh, people that ended up being in the Olympics, one who won, won a silver medal in uh, the Atlanta games, um, on that team. So really high level athletes. Um, then when I graduated, I graduated uh, with a degree in sociology. I had a 2.75 GPA. In other words, <laughs> I never went to class. I went to the water. I went to the gym, but I didn't really go to class that much. Um, and therefore, I had no clue what the hell I was going to do. But a degree in sociology, um, you can pretty much either go to grad school, probably go into advertising, things like that. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I ended up waiting tables. Uh, I got into the restaurant business. A friend of mine had a restaurant up in Portland, Maine, waited tables uh, there, 
lived kind of all over America, waited tables in various different cities, ended up in Manhattan, New York City. I kind of wanted life to be an adventure. So no better place to do that than Manhattan. Uh, ended up waiting tables in Manhattan for about 10 years uh, at, to a point where I kind of got like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, wow. What am I doing in my life, you know? And then, then the story changes from there. Okay, so what, what triggered then you went to, to grad school to get your master's degree? Was there a moment that, or an experience that you, you know, went through that, okay, I want to learn the power of the mind. I want to teach the power of the mind. Yeah, so absolutely. And I, I've told this story a, a ton. And, and, um, but I was, I was always an athlete, right? Whether it be I, was played, I played high school basketball, and then I got into rowing, and then I rode crew in college. Um, but when I was in New York, I was uh, mountain, mountain biking and rock climbing a ton. And I was running a lot too. So I was doing all three of those things. And one day I was on a mountain bike ride. And I, I knew, right? Like I was in the restaurant business for 10 years. So after about six or seven, you're like, man, you know, like this is, this is good money. You know, I'm working at really high end places serving, you know, $10,000 bottles of wine and stuff like that. It's, it's really, you know, it's a great um, environment and I'm learning a ton, but this isn't my passion. I don't, I don't typically love it. It's just, for me, it was a little bit more of like, it was kind of fun and I was getting paid and, but it wasn't my passion. So I was kind of searching in my own head at that time. And I was on a mountain bike ride in upstate New York and you know, there was a section in the mountain bike ride that uh, I had done this ride a ton, you know, a hundred times. So I knew it like the back of my hand and there's a part at the bottom of this one hill where there's a bridge and to get across the bridge, um, it took a little technique. Uh, I had done it before a bunch of times, but if you kind of like deviated a little bit, man, you were going to fall off this bridge and you were going to get wet. You could lose your bike. You could lose your, you know, your gear that you had that day, whatever. You could get hurt pretty good. So I, during this, during this ride for whatever reason, and this is an element that I just crossed boom, right across, no problem, like hundreds of times. But for whatever reason on this day, as soon as my front tire would hit the lip of the bridge, I'd hit the brakes and I would hop off. And I was just like, what, what's going on? Why am I, why am I, uh, whatever, let me take the bike back up the hill, you know, and I'm telling myself I can do this. You've done it before. You got this. Let's go. Come down, power, positive mind. I got this. I got this. Boom. Nope. Front tire, bridge, stop, hold up get off the bike, right? And this happens like four or five times. I'm lugging the bike back up the hill. I'm a little stubborn when it comes to things. And so I get to the top of the hill this last time and I'm like, wait a second. It's not about whether you can do it or not. You know you can do it, but how the heck do you do it? Yeah, let me think about how I do it. So if my, once the lip hits, what do, once the tire hits the lip, what do I gotta do? Oh yeah, I gotta bang down on my right foot. I gotta rip up on my left foot. And then I gotta pedal twice really hard to make sure that I have enough momentum to get across. So I'm just replaying that in my head now versus you can do it or you don't, you know, you're not gonna do it. And so I get down to the bridge, sure enough, I'm just saying it to myself, pound down right, rip up left, pound down right, rip up left. And then all of a sudden, tire hits, pound down right, rip up left, two power pedals, and I'm across. And as soon as I got across, I just had this moment of like, wait a second. All I did was change my mindset. All I did was change what I was focusing on. All I did was focus on something different and the results completely changed. Holy crap. If I could study this and teach people this, they could change their lives. And that's when I hit oh, me. And it was like this moment of epiphany, right? It was like, you know, the, 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 the apostles and the lights and ah, like the whole thing. So, you know, that night I went home and I started Googling, um, you know, different, different uh, grad school 
programs. Uh, I had a 275 GPA, wasn't gonna get into grad school. So I had to go back to school. I went to Brooklyn College for 20 credits out in the, you know, it was about an hour outside the city. Once you take the trains out there, you know, it's right in Brooklyn, wow. Publish Ave. So I went out there and did about 20 credits, um, you know, and then uh, started applying to master's degree programs, got into Ithaca College, got into San Diego State. Uh, I chose winter over San Diego, and I'm still kind of questioning that move. But, Man. Uh, uh, ended up getting my master's degree from there. I love that. That is a story of resiliency and grit. And that's the story of it wasn't a straight path. I mean, you, you were in New York working at tables, like waiting tables for 10 years. And that was probably like experience in life that's probably serving you well when you're speaking with your clients and your customers. Um, and I loved reading about some of your background. I think there was some quote where good people are, are good players are make like working on that person first, that human being first. So you work with the Cubs, you know, we're with the Mets right now. Wait, let's talk about what it is working with that level of, of, of people. I mean, the pressure is high. They're balancing money, contracts, playing time. How do you work with the person first? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's one of the things I've learned working with, you know, MVPs, whether it be <laughs> worked with, you know, NFL MVPs, I've worked with Major League Baseball MVPs, I've worked with, you know, CEOs of, of major companies. And one thing you, you quickly learn when you're dealing with these people is that they're people, right? A lot of times we see, we see the, the image of who they are and we make them be this like superhero or this superhuman being. And that's the whole thing is they're people, they have fears, they have doubts, they have uh, questions about their own abilities. They have struggles with life, right? But then there's, there's so much to learn from them too, because how they attack their craft, it's, it's a different level, right? To, to see an MVP work out is a different animal. Like they just put everybody to shame. I, I heard one time, I can't remember where I heard this, but they said that mediocrity um, is, it's tougher to be mediocre than it is to be great. Because to be great, you have very limited competition because there, there are so few people that are willing to do what it takes to be exceptional and, and phenomenal. That the competition that you're going to have at those elite, elite levels once you commit to it is very few and far between. So I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned is that they're just human beings. They're just people, you know? Yeah. How are you, how are you seeing uh, these types of athletes and, and people at that level in sport? Are they open to this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there's, there's that, the level of trust you have to establish first, right? You have to, they have to know that you don't want anything from them. That's, that's, that's part of the problem of being famous is that everybody wants something from you all the time. Not that I'm famous, but this is something I've seen, but that, that's one of the things for me is I, I just, you, you just gotta, you gotta bide your time and you might be able to help somebody right then and there, but they're not ready for you yet. So you just got to kind of wait it and, and, and just take your time with it. I think, I think the guys who are the best of the best pretty quickly realize that training their mind is another, another facet that can enhance their abilities on the field, in the boardroom, um, you know, wherever. They, 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 they realize, hey, this is an, an aspect I can train. And when I do train it, it gives me a competitive advantage. So, you know, yeah, so let's so, talk so, about – some of the best guys have often yeah. sought me out, right? That's, you know, you yeah. get those middle guys, but oftentimes the, the veterans who have been there, done that, and they understand what it takes, they'll seek me out. I love it. That's true. You don't need to be sick to get better, but let's talk about, hmm. you went back to get your master's degree and then talk about 
a, a breeding ground to train your skills on how to teach, how to coach, how to mentor, how to listen. You went to IMG for you're there for a while. Yeah, it was funny. I got I was I was in Ithaca College, and I and I and I got you know I was in the class, and I was like thinking to myself, man, I really need an internship. You know, I need to just do. I need to practice these skills that I'm learning in the classroom. It's not enough to know, right? K minus A equals zero. Knowledge minus action equals nothing. So I got to get into action with this stuff, and I got to figure this stuff out. So I was watching. Um, I was at my apartment in Ithaca, and it's you know I'm watching HBO, and they have this. They have this. Uh, HBO Sports and there's this like 10 minute piece on this young Russian tennis sensation named Maria Sharapova and she's at this place called IMG Academy and I was like man that would be the place that would be such a cool place to go and right like when you put stuff out in the universe man it's amazing how quickly the universe feeds stuff back to you and then within a week I was in class and, and my professor goes hey by the way if anybody's interested in doing an internship I just got this notice from this place down in Florida called IMG Academy they're looking for interns for the summer this is what you have to do to apply. You got to film yourself in a session. You got to, you know, write up a, you know, kind of your value system. Uh, and then you have to do a phone interview and then, uh, you know, then they'll let you know about the summer. So at that time I wasn't actually presenting at all. So I couldn't film anything. So I was like, okay, well, first step, I got to film myself. So let me get an internship on campus. So I approached the, uh, the tennis team the, that was on campus. I figured I'm probably going to try and go to the tennis academy. I better work with the tennis team. So I approached our D3, D3. So they're open to everything. It was awesome. That was one of the beauties of going to Ithaca was all their sports teams wanted everything. They're like, Oh, you're going to do that for free. Yeah. Come on in. <laughs> Let's do some sessions. So I, I started, I just designed a program at a, at a thin air that my, my, uh, my professor helped me design it, designed a program, filmed a couple sessions, sent them down to IMG. And then, um, you know, met Chad and Trevor and um, Chad Bowling, who's now the performance director at, our, at the Yankees, the middle performance director at the Yankees, and Trevor Moad, you know, the founder of Limitless Minds. The, you know, met those guys and the, I fell in love with the whole process, got the internship and crushed it for, you know, a whole summer. And then uh, went back to New York, finished my thesis, uh, did like another year of waiting tables, got involved with a company called Outward Bound. I don't know if you ever heard of that, that, that company, Colin, but it's an outdoor leadership school. Did about a year and a half of work with them, leading uh, expeditions into the Adirondacks for kids in uh, underserved areas of New York City. And uh, just was loving that and then got an opportunity to go down IMG and work down there. I love it. And that's a perfect bridge now. You're at IMG for a while. And then the Cubs, you are the director of mental skills training with one of the most well-known sports brands in the whole world. Maybe talk about how, how that happened. And then how, how do you build an actual, like you're leading this whole program? Yeah, so that, that was the interesting thing. So I was at IMG for 10 years. And I'll just, I'm just going to give that place is, I owe a lot of any success I have in the future or any success I've had in the past to my time at IMG. That place was spectacular. It was, you know, 20 hours a week giving presentations. It was working with every level of athlete. It was just application, application, application. I learned so much. I learned so much from Trevor. I learned so much from Chad. I learned so much from Chris Passarella. Just a ton of people there that really, it was, it was such a spectacular experience. I, I, you know, when I left, I was a little burnt out on the place, but I have nothing but just respect and, and love for my time at, at the Academy. It's an incredible, incredible place. So that being said, um, you know, after about eight years, I was a little bit tired and I was ready to move on. And 
I uh, started looking at different different elements and different and venues, and I knew baseball. I'd worked in baseball at the academy for those eight years, and I knew baseball really set itself up well for the mental mental side of the game. And so I started, you know, calling around to all my contacts in baseball, um, and ended up interviewing with the Marlins, the Pirates, the Indians, um, and the Marlins and the Pirates didn't fit. The Indians was a really good interview and I knew they were doing some great stuff there, but my personality didn't fit their organization. I'm a little bit off the cuff. I'm not maybe sometimes so organized. I'm like a little bit all over the place. Uh, but the Indians were unbelievable. Uh, just a classic, classic organization. They called the Chicago Cubs for me. They just, I didn't even ask them to, they just did it. They said they called the Cubs. I didn't even know the Cubs had a position. And out of absolutely nowhere, I got a call from the Cubs and they said, hey, we're looking for a mental performance director. Uh, your name's come up a couple of times. The Indians called us specifically on you. We'd love to interview you. So wow. really, again, once you start putting stuff out there, you know, good stuff comes back to you. So um, I fit, I fit really, really well with the, with the Cubs at that time. Theo Epstein, young president, Jed Hoyer, Scott Harris was 26 years old at the time. He's now the GM of the uh, San Francisco Giants. Um, and these guys were building it and they were looking for somebody who had built programs and who had built, you know, and designed stuff and, and had energy and had enthusiasm, and had passion. And, you know, that was, that apparently that was me at the time. Yeah. I'm curious cause I've, I, I create uh, content curriculum, written books. Uh, what, what, what are your pillars when you're teaching the mental game, you're building a, a program, you did it when you were in college, you did it at IMG with the Cubs. So do you have like core pillars? Yeah. I think the first thing is always your attitude right? And your mindset, that's going to drive everything. I, I've, I've constantly said this. I think that thoughts are the drivers of behavior and action and thus your results. Thoughts are the drivers of your behavior and your actions and thus your results. So how you think in your mindset of any situation is going to determine everything else from there on out. So, you know, it's, it's you know, life is 10% what happens and 90% how I respond to it. It's, it's that kind of stuff. So that's really like the core of everything that I do. And then from that, there's a there's some essential skills that can enhance that it can enhance your confidence and can enhance your focus so i'm going to really bear down on those those are you know things like your ability to visualize and see yourself doing great things or process stuff that you've done and learn from it and grow from it kind of a growth mindset type stuff there is your ability to stay in the moment and how you do that that's through routine through you know breathing practices through um, recognizing what's really important and, and having an understanding of what you can control. Right. And, and, and then there's lastly, you know, the ability to be a great teammate and what does that look like? So those three throws through things are, are huge and even individual sports, right? Being a teammate matters because you have a team around you. Tennis, a tennis professional has got, you know, their coach, they got their physio, they got the nutritionist, they might have their mental skills person. They have a team around them. So all those factors are, are really crucial. So I, and, and I maybe I don't I don't know if I've ever defined pillars per se, but certainly for me, yeah. mindset is crucial, and then all yeah. those other things kind of. Well, I'm just thinking when you're uh, hiring other coaches in your field and you're working developing the different levels of that program, um, like do we focus on mindfulness, uh, self talk, or yeah, I'm just curious to see what your philosophy was on that. Uh, how about you take us through when the Cubs won? The World Series. Maybe give us a day in the life of your role and maybe some stories or examples of how you would work with different players and just that moment when you guys won. I mean, the Cubs winning the World Series was a huge deal. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like, I levitated 
for a while there. Like I don't really like, it really was an out of body experience. I mean, that's the only way I can describe it. It was just like, it was weird because I knew it was gonna happen, but then it happened and it was like, wait, what, what just happened? You know, it was, it was, it was, I don't, I, I can't like, it was, it was just like, we didn't even realize what we did until we got to the parade. You know, like that was when what, we. So what you're you saying, know, you guys were so present. You were so, yeah. you know, in the moment, not thinking about the outcome, not thinking about the, the curse or we've never done it or this is our chance. And because you guys were down three to one in the World Series, right? Yeah. And, and the mindset was we'd won three games a million times this whole season. We, we already know how to win three games in a row. Let's just go do that. Okay, cool. Let's go. You know, that's what that was our mindset. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, we're down three one and we're devastated. We got. I mean, this is well documented, but like, you know, Riz comes into the locker room the, the next day and he's, you know, dancing around in his underwear to Rocky theme songs, right? It's just like, it was loose and it was present and these guys knew what they were gonna do. Um, you know, they, they believed in themselves totally. So that was, that was the thing that was really beautiful to watch and, 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 and just be present to was seeing these guys not get down, seeing these guys just focus on the task at hand. And I'm telling you, you know, like these guys, they, they looked at it like it was opportunity. They never looked at it like it was pressure. They never looked like it, that it was a curse or anything to that nature. It was always just like, this is an unbelievable opportunity. We're gonna, we have a chance to be legends in this city for the rest of our lives. And, you know, and so they recognized that. And then there was just this belief that, it, that we were destined to do it. And then when it, when it happened, it was a spectacular moment. Obviously, like I said, we kind of levitated there. And then we get to the, you know, parade and there's, you know, 5 million people at the parade. It was the seventh largest gathering in human history. And we're looking at it and these people are coming up to us and they're not saying congratulations, they're saying thank you to us. And it was just like, whoa, it just kind of, it just kind of hit us that we had done something that honestly, you know, if you really look at it and we said this internally, like we have an opportunity to change the world. And so the changing of the world was, you know, changing of people's mindsets. Like anything is possible. Here's this team that was the lovable losers for 108 years and was always cursed and it would never happen for them. And, you know, anything can happen. Anything is possible if you believe in yourself, you have great teams and, and you stay in the moment. So that's it. So was there a theme or a tactic that you, you saw that was really working that year, whether it was mindfulness or uh, imagery or something that, you know, guys were really actively doing? Um, you guys do different things. Uh, and so everybody was doing kind of their own stuff, but the, the ultimate goal was just to be present. I know Joe, Joe talked about this a lot, you know, be present, not perfect. And I think that if all that's the good. themes that was there, that, that was the one, you know, that's a Joe Madden quote. And then, you know, just being where your feet are, you know, so we, we really preach that and we really hammered that throughout the year. Um, you know, at the time, Kenny Revisa, who legendary sports psychologist, he was, on our staff and and you know i oversaw kind of his role and his role was to be with the major league team and to be with joe and to really help them really bear down on the process over and over and over again you, you can hear a lot of interviews from that year and joe talks about it all the time the process is fearless the process is fearless and he just keeps talking to guys about you know their process so that that was really ingrained in them goes back to the yeah. mountain biking story right that's it it's crazy i like to say everything happens twice first in your mind and then in real life um, I have a few more questions before we wrap up, but uh, let's talk about just the grind of, of your industry. 
um, playing at that level, all the travel and you have a family, like you have to, to approach each day and be tough mentally yourself on the ups and downs, you know, and the different challenges that you face. So talk about the grind that you've had to endure and the hours of, of prep and the travel and the long days. Yeah, there's a, there's a compartmentalization to it without a doubt, right? Like you, you like, okay, I'm with my family. Now I'm with the team. Right. And so, you know, you and I were talking uh, last week and, you know, I, I spent 200 days in a hotel, you know, last year. Um, so, you know, this, this whole lockdown thing is, is tough for, uh, for many reasons, but for me, there's a lot of gratefulness to it too, where I get to spend probably more time than I spent with my family in the last five years. So it's really, it's been, a uh, for me, I've just really embraced what's good about it, right? That's, that's all you can do sometimes. Um, and so that's what I've been doing is I've just really been embracing my family. So you know, there is, it, it is a grind. It is every day, every day, every day. And there's times I'm telling you right now at the professional level, there's days where you'll just be around and you don't do any work, right? Like this is my passion. My passion is to empower people. My passion is to lift people up. My passion is to help others become their greatest self, right? And, and, and then learn from others and have great conversations and connect. And there's days where that just does not happen for whatever reason, long travel night and night before, um, you know, double header, you know, day games, whatever. There's, there's a million reasons guys are just kind of like just rolling through it that day versus like really locking into it. So it's just, it's, it's just kind of weird. And so you just kind of, there's days where you just have to, you know, be good at doing nothing. That's true. Do. Um, no, I was uh, kind of working uh, yeah. in between the cracks, you know, that's, a, that's a good space for it. But, you know, so that, that, I think those are the toughest days for me. Uh, talking about the grind. Those are the toughest days. Yeah. The best days is when you have five conversations, you get a lot of work done to get, you know, you help a guy do a visualization session, whatever it might be. But. Yeah. So how about, I know you did a, a blog post about feelings. I think people, uh, the, the lie they uh, tell themselves is I have to feel confident. I have to feel motivated. I have to feel like I have my, my A game. So maybe the last question for me is like, how can we overcome that? Well, I think, you know, feelings are, feelings happen, emotions are real, right? They happen, they pop into your mind, they, they, they really happen. How we interpret them and how we decide to act based on them is completely 100% in our choice. That's, that's, a, that's our control. And so here I am, I'm feeling sad, but what needs to get done today is I need to take these 10 swings off the tee to get myself feeling right. I need to get my, you know, I need to do my breathing practice to get myself feeling right. Like, I'll be honest with you, like I'll roll back. I woke up this morning, I felt like crap. I'm not gonna lie. Like I did not, I didn't feel good today. It's like, you know, we're here in Florida, there's a tropical storm out in the Gulf, it's gray, it's dark. It's kind of like every day in Seattle. And, uh, <laughs> and it's just like, and I was just feeling like, I was just kind of feeling low and I didn't want to do, I just kind of just was like, oh, what, what's going to happen today? Like, oh, I was just kind of in that. But one of the things that I've that often found is that the antidote to fear is action. And so once you just start moving and you start doing stuff, the feelings kind of disappear. You, you get locked into just being in this moment. I was talking to a friend of mine who's, uh, I, just, I learned how to surf this week. Out of nowhere, I just, it was something I'd always wanted to do. I had some quiet time. Uh, my family and I went over to Cocoa Beach and I, and, and I, find, I stood up on a surfboard for the first time ever in my life. Never saw that would happen, I'm 48 years old, right? And it was one of these moments where it was like, 
Oh yeah, that's right. Anything's possible. I forgot about that. Um, but one thing I learned when I was out there was you, you don't think about anything other than, okay, is this wave good to jump on? Is that wave good? Okay. How do I get through this wave? Okay. Make sure that you don't get hit in the face by that wave. Okay. Now I'm on my board. Okay. Should I start paddling yet? Okay. Go, go paddle, paddle, paddle. Okay. Now, okay. Now it's moving. It's moving. Okay. Now I'm jumping my feet. And so I was in that. I was in that and I was like, I didn't have any feelings. There weren't any feelings to process or deal with or anything other than just being present. So, you know, feelings, they oftentimes, they send a signal to you. They're just sensations of your body that you interpret in a certain way. And so they're gonna come in, you're gonna have emotions, but it's not if you have them, it's what you do with them. And so that, that's the whole key for me is, is that response to it because as soon as you start acting, whatever it might be, whether it be writing, you know, write 10, 15, 20 minutes a day, whether it be, you know, going to the gym and, and, and working because that's what you decided you were going to do today. Or it might be, you know, getting ready for this presentation that I have to the, you know, to board members, you know, whatever it might be, as soon as I start acting on those things and I start debating about them and start, oh, I'm not feeling it, I'm not feeling it, whatever, boom, you start acting. And Josh, I, I love that concept of taking action, having a bias for actions. You know, feelings are not facts. So, um, if you know your values, if you have your goal, your why, and you have that like process, you know, we talked about earlier, um, prior to, uh, it's about movement. If you're writing a book, if you're working out, um, if you're doing a project, um, it's the start that stops people. So, uh, just get, get moving. I love that so much. Um, well, man, I've had so much fun talking to you. We can probably talk forever. Yeah. Um, about I'm the totally, mental game. I, I totally could do uh, it. About, uh, fatherhood about just life i love uh, your approach of looking at you know these are not just uh, performers or athletes like these are human beings and people and building that trust and listening um that's so good i think maybe if i can just pivot and ask one more question uh you have been speaking to businesses across the country and not everybody is an athlete but uh working on the mental game and you said the words mental strength building mental strength if I'm a stay-at-home mom, if I'm working at a business, how can I take your concepts that you teach to pro athletes and then use those here? Yeah, I think the whole thing is this, we're all performers, right? So whether it be, like I said, a CEO of a company or you know, a, a regional sales manager or whatever, right? Like they, these are people that are going to have a performance. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna have things that they're measured on they're going to have things that they are, you know, they're, they're going to have a process that they need to execute on a daily basis. So that's, the, that's one of the things that, that we look at, especially from the, the lens of mental performance is that there's things that you can train, right? The mind, you can strengthen the mind, you can strengthen pathways, you can strengthen neural networks in terms of able to not only do things physically, but also to do implement mental strategies as well. So you know, that's, that's, I think, one of the biggest things is to recognize is that we all have a process and we all have a performance. So how I go about that and what I focus on during that period, how present I am, how much I believe in it, how I respond to failure in difficult times, how I respond to success and, you know, and, and winning on a daily basis, those all matter. Um, and we can get, we're, we're, the human potential is, is endless. And I often feel like people just kind of leave a lot on the table because they're not training this aspect or they're not really diving into it to understand it better, to make it work for them. 
I'm always kind of like a little surprised when, you know, because I, I think the, for me, the field has really grown in the last 20 years, a ton. You know, I've been in the field for about 20 years now. And, and you look at it. And when I, when I first started this column, like I was literally cold calling people to, to find clients. And, and now it's like every professional team has one major companies. They're, they're employing people on a wellness side or a mental performance side, you know, major billion dollar industries are, are, are accessing this technology, if you would, you know, so it's like, you know, it, and so I'm always a little surprised when people don't know about this, but, but, but then again, I'm not because there's billions upon billions upon billions of people on this earth. And, you know, not everybody's been exposed to it yet. So, you know, the more people we get exposed to it, the more people can get out of themselves. The more people get out of themselves, I think the happier they, they genuinely are. And then they can tap into that. And, and then, you know, like I said, better people become better performers. And so it's that's kind of where it goes. And I think the flip side of that too, is that like a lot of times when you're performing better, you feel better about yourself. When you feel better about yourself, you're more apt to take care of others. And that's, I think the, the, the end all be all is that we take care of each other. Love that so much. Uh, and I think this is kind of like, just to add on to that, that, that final question is, to, to train our brain, to be stronger, to be more present, to be more focused, to optimize what we have. Is there a mental skill or an exercise, a simple one that, 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 that we, that I can do, that we can do a simple thing to, to train our, our brain daily. Do you have a, an exercise or a tip? The, so I, I've been talking about this a lot lately, but I, I just kind of think about the concept of winning the day. Like, and that, that was at Oregon, right? University of Oregon. I, I yeah. didn't remember that, right? When they, you probably played them. When yeah. Yeah, they had, they had right. that science all over their like you know yeah. everything. Yeah. yeah, and I and I just took that like a little step further, and I'm like win today, because I think when you say like, win the day, well I'll get that day over there, or I'll get that day over there. But like when you say win today, it's like right here, right now, and, and you kind of have to focus on that. So one thing that I do every day to make sure that I'm winning today, because I'm telling you, even though I know this stuff, I still go through all the emotions and the anxiety and the nervousness of, of the of the time I wake up probably three days a week with just anxious feelings. It just, it's just kind of way I'm wired a little bit. Um, and so for me, one of the biggest things that I've been doing is I've been saying, Hey, how do I win today? And for me, it's this, I wake up and I meditate. Now I know mindfulness has some good raps. It has some bad raps and things like that. For me, it's just really an ability to just kind of get myself centered and take time for myself. So I've been doing that with different abundance meditations that you can find online. I just download them and just listen to them. Deepak Chopra right now I'm doing. Um, so there's that. Number one. Number two is I set an intention. I decide how I'm going to be today. Like I don't let the day kind of determine how I'm going to be. I just set it in my mind. Today I'm going to be patient and grateful. Right? That's an intention. And then the third thing I do in the morning is I exercise. If I, you know, I, I, a minimum of 30 minutes. Today I did 45, I did 30 minutes of yoga and then I swam like a half mile. So it's like, you know, I'm just gonna do that kind of stuff uh, every day and that sets me up. So I think that's the exercise, to be honest with you, is just finding what works for you to win today and making sure that you're doing that uh, over and over and over again. The, the last thing that I've gotten away from recently that I know really works well 